0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. I can't wait to hang and talk with you guys today. I have a very special guest who is going to be on the show, but first just want to say thank you to everyone who's already pre-ordered my cookbook. I just want to remind you to make sure you you pre-order the Healthy Girl Cookbook because that ensures that you get your copy first before everyone. It comes out in May, but if you pre-order it now, it Again, just make sure you get your copy first. And also it's really, really helpful to authors if you pre-order their books because it helps them get on the bestsellers list, which is obviously just like such a huge honor. So again, thank you to everyone who's already pre-ordered. Also in the pregnancy world, I am currently 30 and like 30 and a half weeks pregnant. I'll be 31 weeks this coming Friday honestly, it's just been flying by so quickly. I can't believe it. I feel like I'm nesting in a way because I'm organizing. I want to clean everything out. I'm trying to declutter. The crib is here. The rocking chair is here. We have so many baby clothes. We're waiting on the dresser, which I'm so excited for because I just want to get the whole thing organized and get it done. Because now that I'm in my third trimester, I'm just I can feel myself getting really tired and I know I'm only going to get more tired. So I just want to get everything done in advance as best that I can. And my mom is visiting right now. She hasn't seen me since, I want to say Thanksgiving. So it's been a few months and she hasn't seen my, my pregnant belly. And so it was so funny. I just picked her up from the airport and when she saw my belly, she was like, shocked i think it's you know she sees me over facetime she sees me on instagram but uh it's a little bit different to see and experience the belly of your pregnant daughter in person so I'm gonna be hanging with my mom all week and yeah my best friends from michigan were just in town got to hang with them and now i guess i'll tell you a little bit about our guest for the day so I had the pleasure of having Aton Bernath on the show. He is honestly so impressive. If you haven't heard of him or haven't seen him on your Instagram or your TikTok or on TV, then you've been under a rock because I'm telling you, this kid is everywhere. He is literally, and I told him this, he is 20 going on 35. I am just so impressed by him. He... Is an award-winning chef. He's an entertainer author. He has a cookbook. He is a TV personality, an activist, philanthropist. He is um the CEO of Aton Productions. He is also the principal culinary contributor for the Drew Barrymore show, which is so incredibly cool. Uh, he's a contributor to, you know, Food and Wine, Washington Post, and um We talked a little bit about this, you know, kind of in the beginning of the episode, but he basically had his first taste of stardom when he was on Chopped on Food Network at only 11 years old. I think he was uh, the youngest Chopped contestant ever. (laughs) He successfully runs his business at only 20. He really, we talked openly about him growing up in the spotlight because ever since he was on Chopped when he was 11, he was kind of thrust into this world of, you know, being on TV and being on social media. And he started his career really early and really young. And we kind of talk about how he balanced going to high school while also being like this famous food star. And we get his tips for young entrepreneurs. He also talks about you know, his love of travel, his cooking, how he got into his love for cooking. He gives tips for um, people who are beginners in the kitchen. And we honestly just had a really fun, open conversation. I feel like he's kind of like, I felt, I felt like little brother energy from him. Um, he's just so cute. He's also Jewish. I just, I feel like he's the kind of guy I feel like I've known for a long time. It was very easy to speak with him. And I don't know, I just felt like, I feel like I've always known him. He's so personable, friendly, successful. And this conversation, I think you'll, you'll find his life really interesting, but also he just has a lot to offer, a lot of advice to give, and he is wise beyond his years. So without further ado, let's welcome Aton to the podcast. Hi, Aton. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here.
0: I'm so excited. We were kind of just talking before how we feel like we already know each other just because we see each other's faces on social media every single day. So I I can't wait to talk and like learn more about you. I feel like for someone so young, you've lived so much life. I feel like you're really like 20 going on 35. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Do you feel like that? Like, do you feel like because you're 20 and you're like, you're running your own business and kind of living in this like adult business world, do you feel a lot older than you are?
1: Yeah. So it's definitely, you know, kind of a weird part of my life is, you know, I'm 20 years old, I'm turning 21 in April and, you know, I l- l- the overall majority of my life is nothing like a 20 year old and kind of is a lot more like a 35 year old. Um, you know, I, I, own a production company, a Productions, I have employees on payroll with healthcare insurance, all that I'm responsible for that's, you know, not really a 20 year old thing. Um, and, you know, I get to work in an industry and, you know, do incredible work that um, isn't super typical for people my age, um, but at the same time, you know, I am 20 and so, you know, it definitely can be a challenge at times, you know, like with friends and making friends you know, a lot of my life is not relatable to kids that are the same age as me. Um, but I do think I've, you know, I've been working in entertainment since I was 11 years old. So I've been doing this now for almost 10 years. And so I've like kind of figured out the best way to balance it, but it's definitely can be weird at times.
0: Can we go back to when you were 11 years old? Can you tell everyone your claim to fame?
1: So, um, I was always known as like the cooking kid when I was like eight years old, I started cooking. And then when I was 11, it was actually on yeshiva week, which is this like week where all the Jewish schools, I went to, um, I went to a dual curriculum Jewish schools growing up and um, it's like one week where like everyone has off. It's like after Christmas break, we have like our own break and we, my mom needed an activity for me to do. And some random friend had emailed um, that Chopped was casting kids to be on the show. And I filled it out with my mom because it was like a free activity we could do for like three hours. It was like 50 questions talking about food. I was like, I love food. This is great. I'll spend time writing about it. We click submit. Never thought anything of it. Um, lo and behold, came more interviews, more interviews, more interviews, and then I was cast on the show, and I appeared on Chopped, and that kind of was the catalyst for me then starting making content online.
0: So you must have been a pretty like skilled chef sh- because they're not just going to take a kid who knows how to make mac and cheese and put them on Chopped. When you say that you were cooking at that age, what did that mean? Like when you started cooking at eight years old, how, did did you like watch? Food Network? Were you taking cooking classes? Did you teach yourself? Like, how, how did you learn how to cook?
1: Yeah, so um, it was really just a lot of like trying and failing. Uh, and that's what I always say. You know, um, I would, you know, if I wanted to learn how to make something, I would watch videos on YouTube of other people making it. I'd watch like five to 10 videos, absorb as much information as I can, and then, you know, bug one of my parents to drive me to the supermarket bug them to buy the ingredients until eventually I started earning money and paid for them myself um, and tried making it. Probably did an okay job some of the time and then annoyed my family to eat it and then <laughs> got that feedback and tried again. So it was just a lot of that at the beginning. And I obviously started with much more basic things, but you know, then you know, kind of scaled up and kept teaching myself newer and more challenging recipes.
0: And I think now you have this like confidence about you and obviously you're when I when I watch your videos and when I see everything that you're on when you're on TV I'm like he was meant to entertain people but back when you first appeared on Chopped on Food Network did you have that same confidence as a little kid?
1: Thank you. I appreciate that um because I I do love entertaining people. Um, you know, actually, when I competed on Chopped around that age, when I was 11. I, you know, had aspirations of you know owning a restaurant, working in restaurants, and you know, I think with Chopped, right after that, I started doing like cooking demonstrations in front of audiences around the country. I started a food blog, and it took me a few years after that to actually get to video. But at that point, I started to be wait a second. I actually don't want to work in a restaurant. I really like writing about food, photographing food. At educating people, performing on stage, and eventually that became videos and you know talking to camera and you know I think it kind of incrementally happened where I realized oh my passion lies in you know media and entertaining people and educating people and I think that was kind of that turning point for me.
0: Were you nervous though to be on Chopped? Like when the day came and like they were filming, were you totally comfortable? Were you nervous? What was that like?
1: So yeah, I definitely, I mean, obviously I think I was, I was definitely nervous and to lead up to it. You know, I have actually, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why, but I think I've ever told, told the story before, but um, I like did practice chop rounds at home for like the months before where like my parents would put together chop baskets and tie me and I would attempt to cook something um, with it. Like I was on chops. I probably did that like a dozen or so times before I was on chop. So I did feel pretty prepared now. I should caveat with i lost in the appetizer round uh (laughs) so i don't know if my training was the most effective um but regardless uh, i definitely was was nervous but um you know i just i loved being on set you know the cameras the producers you know just every aspect of it i was like wow i love this and i ultimately did lose in the appetizer round but you know i always say like that loss ended up you know being leading to the biggest win of my life.
0: It kind of sounds like that's where you got your first taste for being on camera and cooking for the purpose of entertainment. When did you start posting on social media? And was that something that like you needed to ask your parents permission for? Because you were obviously pretty young.
1: See, I mean, I started actually right after Chopped. Um, I started, well, I'd had an Instagram page even before, just like for my friends that I would post um, pictures when I was cooking on and after chops you know all of a sudden people started following me and like it, was, it wasn't just my friends it was these people who had seen me on tv and so that kind of started to build up and then i kept doing it. i realized oh okay there's now all these people that care what i'm cooking um and so that was kind of that turning point of you know i was posting so it was really just like oh people you know i was getting comments eight show us where you're cooking we want to see where you're cooking like eventually it was like eight like We love the photos for food, but we want to see you cooking it. We want to see videos." And so it was kind of a natural progression of being like, oh, people actually, like, care to see this? Like, people care what I'm cooking?
0: I know it's kind of strange. I I feel a bit of the same way when I first started posting, it was really just for fun. And I think that's how a lot of food and recipe bloggers got started is that they were just posting because they were passionate about it and because they like cooking and eating. And yeah, I just remember in the beginning and people being like, Oh, like we love your recipes. Can you post more? And can you show your face? It's, it's kind of a weird transition and it happens gradually. And then all of a sudden you're just like, posting on social media full time, or at least that's how it feels for me. So when did you start your TikTok and, uh, well, I guess you had your Instagram, but when did you really start to like post on Instagram?
1: The the turning point, I think in my career was, it was was the end of 2019 um, was, you know, TikTok had really started to, you know, go mainstream. And I was actually one of the first, not the first, but I was like in the group of the first people doing food on TikTok um, you know, at the time there was like a very, very few people doing food on TikTok. It really was just known for dancing. Well, in the U.S. in other markets, they had you know that that, that had been bigger, but in the U.S. market, there wasn't much going on there uh, with food. Um, and I was pretty quickly early on in food on TikTok, um, and I started in like late 2019 and had very rapid growth on TikTok. Um, I think I gained a million followers on TikTok in like four months or less. Um, Why do you think? I think a combination of it was, what I was doing was new. You know, like I was doing, you know, very, it sounds funny to say this is a new thing because it's now such a popular thing, but like I was doing very quick, mobile, vertical cooking videos, talking to camera. And at the time, the only kind of short form food content was really the kind of hands and pans, tasty content. Um, and I'm not trying to take credit for this genre, but I definitely I definitely did it pretty early on um, before it was as big of a thing. And so I think, A, just that, you know, I think I really kind of figured out quickly, okay, TikTok wants, obviously now it's changed. TikTok wants different things. Who knows what the, lo- the lords over at TikTok want these days, but uh, it's always a question. But at the time, it was, okay, quick cooking high energy, talking to camera, you know, you have 20 seconds, 30 seconds to get someone's attention on TikTok at the time, Um, like fast. I also think timing is everything. I think I got in at a very good time. Um, I think it would be like naive and arrogant of me to say that that wasn't a huge factor. It was. Um, I was doing it at a time when food on TikTok was just starting to blow up. Um, and so I definitely think it was, you know, I think it's obviously skill involved and, you know, I was, I was very methodical about what I was doing, but I do, I do believe that timing takes a, a good credit also.
0: A hundred percent. I remember that kind of beginning TikTok phase. And I remember Seeing you for like one of the first times, or I had been seeing you for a little bit, and I'm like, Who is this kid? I'm like, Who? I'm like, First of all, he looks so young. Second, I'm like, Where's this charisma coming from? I just remember, like, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you're watching videos, and then it's like, Bam, it's like, There's (laughs) Aton. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) they just like hurt their ears. Sorry, people on full volume.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm like, Who is this kid? And like, Where did he find this energy? When you first started that, are you at home like with your iPhone or do you have a production crew? like what was what was that like in the beginning?
1: Yeah, I mean I was I was living at home with my parents. I was still in high school. So end of, end of 2019, I graduated high school in 2020. So end of 2019, um, it was my senior year of high school. So things were slowing down a bit. You know, I'd already gone into colleges. Um, and so I had a lot more time I could dedicate. I also full credit to my high school. They were extremely supportive of my career throughout high school. My senior year, I took an extremely reduced amount of classes, um, really kind of just graduation requirements and had about half of the work, school day just to work. Um, so I was filming on Parents House. Um, and then, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, kind of right when I was starting on TikTok, um, you know, it was when then the world shut down because um, of COVID. And, you know, I, COVID, you know, the world kind of started shut down and actually, you know, I've been making videos and growing. And, you know, in March of 2020, uh, my grandfather died of COVID. Um, he was one of the first people in the United States to pass of COVID. And, you know, at that time I had fallen into a really deep depression um, because of it. And he had always been like my biggest supporter. And had always, you know, every time I picked up the phone to call me to answer, is this the famous chef Eitan? And, you know, going through grief, something that my parents encouraged me, my therapist encouraged me pretty quickly after losing him was keep posting your videos. Every time my grandpa saw my videos, it would make him so happy. My parents said he would be so upset to know that because of his passing, you stopped doing the thing that you love and that he loved. And so, you know, within a week of him passing, I put on a fake smile and started filming cooking again. And it sounds super cliche and like, I'm almost sure I'm talking about this, but like, it really truly is. I kind of had a new sense of motivation of like, I'm doing this, you know, despite how, you know, the depression I was going through, I'm doing this in honor of my grandpa. And because I know it's what he'd want me to do. And I, and I think that sense of motivation and being stuck at home, I was posting and filming constantly in my parents' kitchen, almost to the point, not even almost, to the point where I was kind of driving them crazy.
0: I love that, though, that you kind of used your grandpa's this inspiration for you to keep going. And obviously, like you love food and you love entertaining people. And like I think it would have like been a true disservice to yourself and to your future career to stop. But I love that he was kind of that inspiration for you to keep going, even if at the time it was super hard to kind of put that fake smile on. I'm sure now you're so thankful that you did.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a true kind of, you know, I think I, to some people it could, that could sound a little toxic. Like, why are you posting videos and putting on fake smile? But it, it truly was, like, the level of joy it brought him brought me that joy. And, like, to be honest, you know, I mean, I I was in a very deep depression for multiple months after he passed. And, you know, there was probably two to three months where I was posting videos from, like, April to, like, June of 2020 where I would be crying wipe the tears out of my eyes, get up and say, I need to do something else and film a video and act like I was happy. But through, you know, being able to make other people happy and excited about food and, you know, I was having very explosive growth. So I was getting a lot of positive feedback about the videos. It really is what helped me get out of that depression um, from the grief and is what, you know, kind of faking it in the beginning. Then the results of that did, you know, eventually get me to, you know, actually be happy again.
0: (laughs) Well, my next question was going to be, do you feel like your mental health like actually improved? Because, you know, even though you felt like at the time it was probably the last thing you wanted to do was like get up and film and like look in a camera. But do you feel like it actually helped you in the end?
1: Yes. And I think I, I think also like Every single thing regarding mental health, you know, can be different for everyone, and it's not saying that I necessarily. Recommend right after you go through grief, but I think in my very unique situation, because you know, um, not to get too dark about it, but you know, a a unique challenge of losing someone to COVID, especially at that time, is you know, it, it it was an inescapable prison. You know, there's nothing about life in 2020 that didn't constantly remind you of COVID. You go to the grocery store, everyone's wearing masks. There's the plexiglass dividers. Every single thing. The news. Constant reminders of the thing that took the person you loved. And so, to be able to really distract myself and have something that I can do that had nothing to do with COVID and just had to do with cooking and doing the thing I loved, um, really did help me. And you know, I'm I'm so grateful that that's how I chose to you know help myself. You know, obviously, I did other things like I. I am very open about how important therapy is and how much it's helped me. I had a grief therapist for a very long time. I eventually took a little break. I've had other therapist since then. Um, I, I do therapy. And I think that, you know, obviously therapy is important, but, you know, there's other work you have to do outside your life. And it it really, really, it really did, I think, you know, was a big factor. And shortly after that, a few months later, actually, I, I moved out. And that's, you know, when my business had grown to the point where I was financially independent, completely And, you know, moved to New York City by myself.
0: Okay. So I want to circle back for a second because you said this was, you know, kind of at the tail end of high school and your school's like being very nice to you and accommodating and letting you like work uh, while you're trying to finish up your senior year. What did your friends think about all this?
1: Great question. So there's always the mean people in high school. You know, I've been posting videos online since I was in middle school. I've had my fair share of bullying about uh, what I do, you know, cookings for girls, which is always so dumb because for a hundred reasons it's not. And what I always find ironic is in restaurant kitchens, there is an inequity that there are not enough women leading restaurant kitchens. So if we forget about that, in general, obviously that is stupid. And sexist. Um, But, you know, whether it's that or just like people making fun of me, how I talk in my videos or what I'm doing, um, you know, that happened. But in general, you know, my friends were super supportive and obviously, you know, occasionally poked fun in a way that friends should. And, you know, you know, a healthy friendship, you know, where you kind of poke fun at each other sometimes. But Um, my friends were super supportive and, you know, really excited for me. And, you know, they sometimes joined in on my videos. And I think, though, at the same time, like they weren't phased by it in a way of like, you know, it, I, I always say I understand how, you know, looking at a celebrity like Justin Bieber who, you know, came up when he was a teenager and, you know, kind of had a phase where he went a little bit crazy and, you know, had too big of a head. I obviously am not did not reach the same levels of, uh, I don't like to use the word fame, but knowingness um, as Justin Bieber had at the same age, but the bit of it I did... Um, I understand how it can get to your head. And it's something that I am really grateful to for my parents and my friends and my brother who make sure I stays humble more than anyone else. Um, Help me, you know, stay grounded because, you know, I think I was, you know, all of a sudden flooded with millions of people telling me you're amazing. I love you. You're awesome. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. All this amazing feedback and hate at the same time. And I, I understand how that can get to people's heads and I really do credit my friends and my parents and my therapist and I guess myself because I made a big effort that that didn't happen so I I understand how that can to someone who's you know an impressionable teenager.
0: And did you ever have FOMO from things that your friends were doing that maybe you weren't doing because you were working or maybe even like the college experience like how did you navigate that?
1: Yeah very much um i have always kind of been a workaholic so you know my schedule during high school was you know every morning my my i had to leave the school around like seven fifteen every morning so i'd wake up every morning at six i would do like 45 minutes of work um and then i would get ready for school get out get to school um in between every single class i would be working in the hallways i literally was like i was like notorious in my school for like Let's say this is a laptop for walking around the hallways, like on my laptop, working and like bumping into people, you know, at lunch, I would be in the library working. Um, I had friends. I had a social life. I definitely did not have the social life most kids did. During summer, it's a very big thing in, you know, the Jewish community. I grew up in like going to sleepaway camp during the summers. That was not something I did. I worked all summer. Um, you know, on my career, and so there was definitely a lot of FOMO that came with that. But I think I've always been very, very driven and um, motivated, and I have, I have very much believed in myself. And did I think that this would happen to me right now when I'm 20? No, but ever since I was in my young teens, I have told my parents like I am going to be a chef in entertainment, and that is going to be my career. and I believed that and so for me it was worth it. In terms of college, so I actually I um I did apply to college and I ended up um you know committing to and I'm enrolled in Columbia University here in here in Manhattan. Um last semester I took my first class because I deferred for two years. Um I'm in a part time program. So I bas- basically the least amount of classes you could take to stay in the program I'm in is one class every three years. It's like the literal official bare minimum. Um, I plan to do more than that, but it's great because it allows me to like have that balance. Um, so I took one class last semester, this semester I'm traveling a lot. Um, so I, I'm on a leave of absence. but I'm like, I have a toe in
0: it. Okay. So I feel like you're just an overall, a bit of an overachiever. Cause like you, obviously you have this very su- successful business. You don't need to go to college to like make a career, but it, I mean, do you like learning? Like, were you a school person?
1: Yeah, so both my parents are teachers, so that's okay. like that's a part of it. So my mom's a math teacher; she's also the head of the math department at the high school I went to, which quite the experience. Me and my mom are very close, so it worked well. Um, and my dad is an occupational therapist, so he like works in schools. So education has always been like a big part, and you know my parents have been extremely supportive. You know, people say like now, like oh, your parents must be so supportive now. Like they were always supportive. From when I was eight years old, telling my parents I wanted to cook when I was 11, 12, telling them that I wanted to work, you know, as in a food entertainment, like everyone around them told them not to support what I was doing. The amount of people that said to them, like, why are you letting Aeton do this? Like, why are you encouraging this? Ironically, those are the same people now who come to them and are like, oh, well, I'm so proud of Eitan. I've always known he. It's like, oh,
0: really? You're like, I know what you said.
1: Yeah, it's like, I remember, Um, but they've always been so supportive, but um, they've always allowed, you know, I had an adjusted schedule at school and they were supportive of that, but they always said, you know, Eitan, you need to keep your grades up. The only way you can do this is keeping your grades up in school. You know, I did keep my grades up in school. I, um, you know, I, when I applied to colleges, you know, aimed pretty high. Um, college-wise, and, you know, did end up um, getting in and then, you know, starting enrolling in Columbia. And so, you know, education is important to me. I enjoy learning. Um, And, you know, like the first class I actually took was a writing class, because it's something I want to get better at in my career is, you know, get even better at writing. It's I think it's something that's always helpful. So I very much see college for me, you know, I'm in an extremely privileged position, you know, where I have a career, I don't need a degree, you know, I, I employ people, let alone I, I don't need a degree to get a job, I employ people. But, um, you know, that's an extremely privileged position to be in. I'm aware of that. But, you know, for me, I'm able to, you know, have college as a way to just learn about things I want to learn about. And I also, I'm very interested in journalism. Um, and so my gra- one of my grandmas is, or was a journalist. She's still alive, but she's not a journalist anymore. And so that also interests me a lot.
0: Yeah, well, I love that. Good for you. I mean, you're kind of just like... Doing everything. So I think that's amazing. And um, I guess I want to ask and kind of shift over to talking about your recipes, your cooking. How would you describe the kind of recipes that you put out?
1: I describe it as like comfort food, you know, from around the world. Um, you know, I've never been interested in like, you know, fancy plating and like foams and like fancy French thingies. Like to me, like I, I like cooking like food that tastes really good. It's fun to eat, you know, is, you know, good to eat with the crowd, you know, food that, you know, just like brings you that comfort, that food that you want to eat when you've had a long day or a bad day or your, you know, food you want to eat surrounded by family and friends, Um, you know, and I know that sounds, that can sound vague and like it covers a lot, but it really does cover a lot. But, um, and, you know, kind of with that international, you know, um, you know, element, like I, you know, growing up, I grew up um, in a town called Teaneck, New Jersey. It's a a very diverse town. Um, There's a huge Jewish population, a huge um, Hispanic population, a huge Caribbean population, a huge African population, a huge um, Black population, a huge Muslim population, a huge Indian population. Like, it's like a melting pot. Um, And so, you know, I grew up around a lot of other cultures, like Indian food's my favorite cuisine. And, you know, My mom loved Indian food. She ate it when she was pregnant with me. And also, my best friend growing up, a neighbor, um, is Indian, and I grew up in her household. Um, You know, like she was in our house. She sometimes would join us for Shabbat. I'd sometimes join her for her. There are different holidays. And so um, I was always exposed to a lot of cuisines. I think that really affects my food.
0: I love Indian food too. And I mean, me being vegan, it's always so easy to eat at an Indian restaurant because they nine times out of 10 have a separate vegan slash vegetarian menu. So it's like, I actually, I ordered in the other night was so good. And honestly, like has been kind of a pregnancy craving. I told my husband, I'm like, we got to get some Indian food in here. So the other night we ordered, well, this is like, I want to hear your favorite things to order at Indian food, but I love like number one is chana masala. And then I get roti with it. And so good.
1: Yeah. Um, actually what are your when favorite things? My mom was pregnant with me. Indian food was one of her pregnancy cravings. And so we always joke that, and there probably is some truth in it, that as a baby, I ate, a, well, not, well, I guess it's a fetus. Um, I ate a lot of um, Indian food through my umbilical cord.
0: <laughs> That's when uh, the love started.
1: Yes, very much. Um, so actually, so I just got back from India. I was in India for a month um, and it was an incredible trip. Um, you know, I was all over India um and you know indian food is so vast and that was like saying you know here in the u.s like the indian food like especially like i live you know living in new york like you have access to very good indian food in new york um but you know it's still in the u.s like it's like a like not even one percent of indian cuisine is represented in the u.s
0: right there's so many and, different like subparts and all different yeah. places and
1: and you know like when you're in india if you talk to someone in india who's enthusiastic about food which is Almost everyone. They're a very food-centric culture, which I love. I'm Jew- You know, we're Jewish. We also are very food-centric. We get it. It's like people kept telling me in India, as they said, "Every ten kilometers you go, there's another cuisine," and it's very true. You know, the food I ate in Mumbai was nothing like the food I ate in Rajasthan, which was nothing like the food I ate in Goa. Um, you know, people. A lot of people in the U.S. you know think of Indian food very much as like a monolith, but it is. There are more cuisines in India than you can count. Um, my favorite thing, just like if I'm ordering like in the U S just like, you know, good, good Indian food here. I love, um, sog paneer is always like one of my favorites. So good. Um, sag paneer, um, paneer makhni, which is like the butter paneer. It's like the tomato, um, and onion based gravy. Um, I love garlic naan. I usually, I love making roti and garlic naan. I like always, um, I make roti for myself. I like the other thing that people don't get is a lot of times. Like when I say I love Indian food, like I eat Indian food. I would say five minimum five days a week I eat Indian food. As Wait, one of, actually, yes. Like people think I'm joking, but like I usually on the weekends, like I love having Indian food for breakfast. So like I usually on the weekends will cook like a big batch of one or two Indian dishes, and I'll make some like I'll make some roti or or naan, and I'll just keep it in the fridge, and then and then like warm it up in the morning. So I'm not I don't have time in the morning to like make it from scratch, and I will eat like roti or naan with. Whatever curry I made that week for breakfast almost every day. And then for dinner, I would say at least two nights a week I eat Indian
0: food on top of so that. So you're like a savory for breakfast kind of guy.
1: Yes. Growing up I was I always ate cereal like sugary cereal, but I'm I mean, I crave a chocolate croissant a lot of mornings. And there is a place across the street where I live that sells a great chocolate croissant. I, I would say I do half and half. Like I, most morning not like a lot of sugary though. Like I, I just like a little chocolate in the croissant is like good.
0: So good. I love it. We have a
1: breakfast person.
0: I like both. It just depends on my mood. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes like I love a smoothie and then sometimes I want an egg wrap I make a vegan egg wrap or I'll make like a tofu veggie scramble or something but yeah I think it just depends on my mood or I'll do like a double breakfast and I'll start with like a bowl of fruit maybe a parfait and then do like a brunch and have a bagel sandwich of some kind I love a bagel it's really my favorite
1: I actually I was talking someone recently about it I don't eat that many bagels and I don't know why I don't not like them I just, I don't know. They're just, they're like not a big part of my diet. Actually, it's like funny that I, I realized when I mentioned that I feel like saying, I, mean, I guess people would know about me because like from my content, but I, um, I'm i not vegetarian or vegan. But I love vegan food. Um, and and I like mostly eat vegetarian. Like I do not eat that much meat. Um, like I get a lot of requests. I was like, oh, like can you do more recipes like with chicken or beef? And like, I, I just literally don't eat it that much um, in my day life. Like I would say I eat, Eat meat like once or twice, maybe a week. Um, and so, like, I love following a lot of creators like yourself um, who post vegan recipes, vegetarian recipes, because, like, that's, t- that's the stuff I eat, you know, most of the overall majority of the time.
0: I don't think I realize that. So, what's like a day in the life of what you're eating?
1: So, for breakfast, I would say most days I have like either non roti for breakfast that i pre-made on the weekend. And then I have just like in my leftovers drawer for the fridge, I have like some Indian dish um, or two. Usually like, usually it's some type of like potato-based one, just like I like breakfast potatoes. So usually it will be like some type, like either oligobi, which is, um, you know, potatoes with cauliflower, um, or it'll make like a dal, which is like very traditional in in India for breakfast. It's like lentils um, for those who don't know about dal. Um, so you will have those two and then I'll have like a homemade chut. This sounds so high maintenance. Wow. This is literally what I do. And then I also have a no, home. Homemade- I
0: think it's so int- like I have, I feel like I've never in my life asked someone what they eat for breakfast and they're like, yeah, I have a curry with <laughs> roti <laughs> or I have dog. No, I, I love
1: I it. Some curry or dish like, um, like that. I always like keep in my freezer because I make them in big batches, um, like different chutneys. Like I always have like mango chutney and like a huge glass of delicious New York City tap water. Um, so that's usually my breakfast. Huge snacker throughout the day. I mean, filming cooking videos is my job, so I'm constantly cooking food and eating it. For lunch, you know, I usually, we just kind of use like family meals. So, um, you know, I, my production um, team and I work out of uh, my apartment. And so, you know, we film, like people always ask like, oh, like, oh, you probably film a lot of videos. Like I film every day, all day long. I film videos from, either 7 or 8 a.m. until 5 or 6 p.m. five days a week every single day. That's a day. lot of work. Yeah, I film a lot and I, I work a lot because I then also have the whole rest of my job that I do outside. Well, I do in between videos and while things are cooking, but mostly outside. So usually for lunch, like I, I actually eat a lot of, we do a lot of like, um, like big salads for lunch. Like I love, I love a hot salad. Like with like roasted veg, grains, stuff like that. I, eat, I tried a lot of vegetables at lunch. When I was younger, I was pickier. I did not eat as many vegetables. But like usually a lot of vegetables at lunch. And then for dinner, I live in New York City. Usually go out to eat. I'd say half nights a week, I try to eat, eat out and like try food. And you know, and also like it's part of my job. Like I make videos when I'm out. Um, you know, I'm always trying to learn more about food. And then the other half of nights, um, I'll cook myself. Either like Italian food, Mexican food a lot of Indian food, but yeah, I, I would say probably like six to 10 meals a week I eat are Indian food.
0: And what was your favorite thing that you ate in India? Like number one favorite thing, wish you could eat it every day.
1: Yes. Okay. I would do bad things to be able to eat the Indian. Uh, I think it was a good, gur- it's called, it's like a leaf Like It's a specific like cuisine and region, good or um, I might be mispronouncing that or saying it wrong. But it was in Mumbai. It was this restaurant I went to. It was a vegetarian restaurant. And it was a... Th- so for those who don't know listening, a thali um, is like a huge platter that you get at, at an Indian restaurant. And they serve little portions of tons of stuff. Now, I call it like a personal buffet. Number one thing I miss from before COVID are buffets. I... Love buffets. There is. Do you love buffets? Or
0: it depends on the buffet.
1: Fair. For me, the satisfaction of eating more—that you know more is worth than you paid for the buffet—is a is a challenge in my family. That we 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 just. It's like we love totally.
0: See, for me, I don't. I find that I can't eat enough to make it worth it. It was never really my thing to go to like a, you know, I'm not trying to sound high maintenance or anything, but like I like a higher end buffet. Like there's this buffet here that's like all you can eat sushi and like, but it's mm-hmm. like a meat, it's like really good sushi and they have like a stir fry station. It's so good, but it's pretty expensive per person. And I, just, I feel like I can't eat enough to make it worth it. So I'm like, I could have just ordered sushi and paid less. Uh, But it is, I I think it's so fun to be like, wait, I can just like keep going back for more and you can taste and get everything you want. I get it. I, I understand.
1: Yeah. So at this restaurant, it was this huge Thali. I made a video about it. And I would say there were like 30 to 40 different food items on this Thali, like different, like um, you know different like you know gravy based dishes drier dishes like four types of bread three types of crackers different types of chutneys and pickles and rice dishes it, it was like almost overwhelming and then the I best I would love point, that yeah when you finish eating something they, they magically come over and refill it so uh, and and then like you know it, it there and also like you know in um you know, in India, obviously, just with you know the value of money is different, and their money is worth in different way, um, and like the whole meal ended up being like five dollars a person. Um, that's with, crazy. Yeah, and so obviously, you know, that's also just like a cost of living is different um, in India. But that meal, what it was, just everything was so good, and there was so many options. It was. It, it was a meal that I just was eating. And I was like, I just, I wish I could like, I always joked when I was younger, I would feel like my parents don't fall. I was like, I wish I had another stomach. I wish I was a cow. In that moment, I was like, I wish I was a cow. And I had multiple other stomachs to direct this food into.
0: I often say the same thing. Even now, like not even little. I'm like, I wish I could just like reset my body so I could be hungry again and not be full and enjoy it for a second time.
1: Oh my God, I was in... Uh, last year in um, Rome and we went to this thing and they oh, we went to Pompeii and they showed this house and they, were, they showed us this room. We're like, oh, what's this room? It's like, oh, that's a vomitorium. And we're like, what's that? And they're like, oh, after when they'd have big feasts, they would then make themselves vomit and then keep eating, which is an awful thing to do, not a healthy thing to do whatsoever. But Um, And when I heard that, I was like, I was laughing in my head because I was like, I was like, there are times when I'm eating where I'm like, wow, I wish I could just, you know, empty myself and could eat more. Do not do that. I do not recommend uh, or condone. I do condone that. I I
0: understand the concept. It only happens to a true foodie though.
1: Yeah. But it's that, that, that the same vein of being like, wow, I wish I had more capacity.
0: So let's say someone is just starting to get into cooking or they want to cook more. They see your videos What are maybe three cooking tips you have for someone just starting out?
1: First thing that I always say is start with cooking food you know you like. It's something that I started when I was younger. Uh, A lot of times I think when you get into something new like cooking, it can be so easy to be like, well, let me try something new. Don't. (laughs) Try cooking something when you start that you already like eating. Because chances are, when you're starting out, you're going to make mistakes because guess what? I've been doing, I've been cooking for a long time. I make mistakes all the time still, and when I was started out. I made even more of them, and so I always recommend start by cooking food you know you like. Don't don't give into the temptations, of being like, oh, now that I'm cooking, I have to try something new. Literally, cook something that you already love because if it doesn't go well when you cook it, you'll probably still like it. It'll be close enough. So that's my first big tip. I always say. Um, I feel like, do you agree with that? Like that's 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 yeah. What I always-
0: I give people the same advice, but in relation to trying to go plant-based, I'll tell people pick your favorite meal that you make all the time that is not plant-based, but then just try to veganize it because you know you already like it. So if you love making tacos for dinner, just do a black bean taco instead of a chicken taco and still put in the guacamole and your pico de gallo and everything that you're still putting in there. Just make a little change like black beans instead of meat or something like that. So I'm with you on that one.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And then I think my other two tips, I would say uh, a good sharp chef's knife. Um, You're way more likely to cut yourself using a dull knife than a sharp knife. Um, You know, you know, if you can afford to get a good quality chef's knife, um, you know, you just need one. Yeah, obviously, you know, I have a bunch, I have tons of different types of knives, but like, they're not really necessary. They're all just, you know, a luxury to have. Um, You can get. 99.9% of what you need done in the kitchen with just one good chef's knife that feels good in your hand that's sharp. Um, And I think other than that, my biggest thing is just, you know, cooking can be stressful at times. You know, when you're cooking, you're using ingredients, which cost money. You know, right now, especially with inflation, the cost of food is through the roof. Um, And, you know, it can be stressful, you know, just because maybe you're hangry, which I'm the first to admit that I get hangry on the regular, which is okay. But you can be hangry you could be stressed just because cooking could be stressful. There's fire, there's heat, food, you don't want to waste food. I would just say as, to as much as you can, just try to like enjoy the process and don't let yourself get as stressed about it. Um, because you know what I always say in my videos and when I try to encourage people is like cooking should be fun. Cooking, you know, shouldn't be this thing that's like, oh, I have to cook right now. It's like, oh, I have to cook. Let me play some music. Let me, you know, jam out to my favorite songs. Let me have fun cooking this food that I'm excited to eat. So I think that's my my last kind of tip. Well, of my last tip, my third tip that uh, I I like to say.
0: And you have a cookbook, which if people want to try your recipes. They can get your book. ton eats the world. Tell everyone about your book.
1: Yes, yeah, so Aton eats the world uh, came out uh, May third of last year, um, and I also describe the recipes in eats the world very similar to my content. You know, comfort food from around the world and. What I really tried to do with A Time Eats the World was, you know, make a book that can meet you where you are in your, your cooking journey. So, you know, like there are recipes that are super approachable and things that you should be able to be like, oh, I've got that super easy if you're just starting the kitchen. Like I always say, like one of my favorite recipes um, in the book and one I actually make very often are the, the PB&J pancakes. They are yeah. super easy. Just mix together the dry ingredients, mix together the wet ingredients, mix them up, cook them as pancakes, top them with. A homemade jam that's just basically cooking blueberries with some sugar in a pot, very easy. So you know, I have things that are super easy. Then I have things that you know should maybe challenge you a little bit. You know, there's recipes um, in the book like French onion soup. There's recipes, you know, like this salted roasted acorn squash that goes into like the correct way to roast squash and you know that getting sounds that sounds amazing. It's yeah, it's topped with goat cheese, pine nuts, and pomegranate molasses. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, it is quite delicious. And then you know, there are things in here that are also meant to like, you know, really push you out of your comfort zone. You know, there's a babka recipe in the book, which I think is probably the recipe I took me the most time to develop. I've been working on that recipe probably for the five years before I was writing that book, trying to perfect it. That's because a hard baking harder. is really hard. And also developing baking recipes is hard because, yes. you know, you're developing it, you're coming it up from scratch. And like a lot of people think when you develop a recipe that you're like, when people talk about developing a recipe that you like copy someone else's recipe and then just post that that's not how that works you come up with your own recipe you know obviously you take prior knowledge that you know you will you will check sources that you trust to see what are ratios that people tend to use but you know at the end of the day you're you're making an educated guess so that was that was a challenging one there's other ones like there's you know shepherd's pie there's different types of creme brulee in the book and so really my goal with it is you know i really feel that this book can meet you wherever you're at in your your cooking journey you know keep you, that you have things to cook that are super approachable and easy. And then also kind of incrementally challenge you and, you know, teach you new new techniques.
0: I agree. I feel like with the recipe development, I mean, everyone, I, I tell me if you get the same thing, but everyone's like, how do you come up with your recipes? Like, where's your inspiration from? And like, how do you like, like, do you have to test things a bunch of times? And honestly, when it's a cooking recipe, I don't need to test things a bunch of times just because I've made things in so many different ways that now I kind of know what'll work and what won't. But when it comes to baking, I mean, I like cooking so much more just because it allows for a bit more creative freedom. It's like baking. You have to get it right. It's a science, but I'll look at like, like, let's say I'm making a cornbread. I'll look at 15 different cornbread recipes, kind of see what they all have in common and then like take my favorite, see what I want to do, put my own like vegan spin on it and then start developing.
1: No, I get asked that a lot. And I mean, and you know, the same thing like you with food, you know, I find that with like regular cooking, you know, also for us, you know, recipe development is our job. So, you know, just like someone who works in, you know, construction, you know, they, if they need to build something they haven't built before, they have prior knowledge of how to build similar things. And so, you know, in the same vein, you know, the two of us and people like us, you know, we're constantly coming up with new recipes and, you know, there's, you know, that prior knowledge with that, you know, you could just make a very educated guess. You know, a lot of times when I'm developing a recipe, I can just literally open a blank Google Doc, write stuff down, make it, and it's often good enough. <laughs> um, or maybe needs a tweak and I'll make it one more time. Um, but with baking, it's a whole other ball ballgame. I do the exact same. You know, I will literally, it's honestly similar to how I taught myself how to cook when I was younger. You know, I'll consult like, like, you know, anywhere from like eight to like you said, 15 sources online. And, you know, I'll just compare, look at, you know, for example like i'll try to notice like okay what are the reviews on this webs on this this recipe for baking recipes let's say you're making a baking recipe and you see one person uses yogurt in this recipe and one person uses sour cream or right. groups of people use each i'll look at okay what are the reviews do people say it's moist do people say it's dry oh okay it seems like most people on the yogurt one say that this is too dry but everyone with sour cream is saying it's nice and moist oh okay when i do mine, i'm going to make sure i use sour cream oh This person uses five cups of flour and three eggs. And this person uses six cups of flour and one egg. That's weird. What's the difference? Which one do I, what type of ratio do I want? And that's kind of, it's kind of that game of like, just trying to learn little bits. And then, you know, you write down and make sure that you're coming up with your own.
0: For sure. And lastly, I think I want to have you give maybe three business tips for young people in business.
1: So I, you know, just for context, you know, I, I've been, you know, I started monetizing um, my social media when I was 12 years old. Um, my fourth ever blog post was sponsored. Um, I got paid a hundred dollars. Um, I remember to write a recipe, I think it was for like a chocolate chip company um, on my blog. I had like a few thousand followers at the time. Um, and from then on, I, I have been, you know, monetizing what I've done. And I now have a full representation team and everything that handles that. It's obviously come a long way, but, you know, I think the main thing, uh, the main tip I always say, especially to young people, is that, you know, it sounds so cliche, but it's my lived experience is your age really does not matter. Um, You know, obviously there are limitations, you know, for example, in the in the food business, there are a lot of very big food events like Miami or uh, SoBe Miami Food and Wine Festival. A lot basically a lot of food and wine festivals that I've never been able to go to because I'm under 21. Is that limiting me because of my age? It is. But is that the make or break? No. Um, but truly I think, you know, if you are confident in your work abilities and you are, you know, work as a professional and you know that the work you do is the same as someone 10 years older than you, you know, having that confidence and you know, you will of course come across people who will not take you seriously and who will minimize you, but those are not the people you want to work with. And often those are not forward thinkers who are, you know, help advance you in a serious way. Which I think is super important. I think also saying that I always say, you know, to I, I also get asked, you know, by especially like peers of mine who now are getting to towards the end of college, starting to think about their careers, um, is that, you know, saving money is very, very, very important. And it's saying that my parents always insulted me, you know, both both my parents are teachers, on teacher salaries, you know, and I I grew up in a family where, you know, budgeting was a very big part of life. And, you know, a big reason we went to buffets is, you know, $18 buffet for adults, $10 buffet for kids. We could eat a lot of food and have like a big fun meal. So I, I grew up, you know, very much like like that. Um, and it was something my parents always instilled in me is, you know, living below your means and um, saving. And I think, you know, when you start working as a young person, it can get very exciting when, when you start earning money. But you, you really wanna make sure you save because you never know what can happen. Um, that's the thing I always say. And then I think finally, you know, I always say to people who ask me, it, well, and put money in retirement, put money in retirement. I, I literally have about like 10 to 15% of the money that I've earned that I've already paid taxes on and everything that's in investments in retirement funds. Literally, I had a friend who asked me recently and he said, I'm starting to work like any tips. And I was like, take 10% of your money and put it into a retirement fund. If you are young and you put money in retirement fund now while you're young, compound, my mom's a math teacher. So I'm, I like math. The compounding interest on that money, if you start when you're 20 or young, whatever, will be insane by the time you are retiring. So that's that's a, a big thing. And I think the final thing that I'll always you know, try to remind people is balance i had a lot of periods in my life when i did not have balance i you know worked constantly i did not have a social life um i don't regret them they got me to where i am today and i think there's periods of time when that's okay but i think one of my biggest themes recently and something that i've worked on with you know my therapist is having balance and that working hard's amazing and working hard's important but the worst thing you could possibly do is burnout and having balance. You know, taking care of yourself has a, a very high ROI from a business standpoint.
0: I love it. And where can everyone find you on social media?
1: Yes, you can find me, um, everyone's social media um, on Instagram, TikTok, Eitan, If you search EITAN, E I T A N, it is spelled nothing like it sounds. Um, e I T A N. Um, on some accounts, it's at EITAN, some accounts, it's at EITAN Bernath. Um, I'm also um, on the Drew Barrymore show. I'm the uh, principal culinary contributor on the Drew Barrymore show. You can catch me on there, wherever it's syndicated um, near you. You could find a World world at Robux are sold. That's where you could find me cooking something, eating something, putting on some outfit, some, something of the sort.
0: Amazing. Thanks, Aitan. This was so fun.
1: Thank you so, so much for having me. This was so fun to chat. Uh, I feel like we could do like a two hour long podcast. episode.
0: <laughs> Talk to you soon.